Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Now, there's a second example. Of course, you all vote, right? Before the voting results are announced, you see on news channels, media channels, they're having their exit polls and stuff. What does that actually represent? So how do they do it? How, why one media channel claims that they have better and more precise uh, results and, uh, than the other media channels? Women Who Code Talks Tech is a segment that features experts in a specific field of technology sharing their knowledge on an in-depth and highly technical subject. These talks are designed to both introduce advanced subjects and provide insight into the work being done in these fields. That's 101. We will have three speakers. Thank you, Anjali, Runjun, and Sneha for giving us your time and volunteering as a speaker. Thank you so much for being here for us. Thank you, Shasta. So thank you everyone for joining us today. We are very, very excited about this webinar series. Personally, I'm, I'm very passionate about statistics within the machine learning area. So I'm really excited for uh, kicking off this session. Just want to quickly go over some of the things that we're going to talk about in this session. And if you've noticed, this is a four-part series. We're trying to break it down into four broad-level topics. Just want to set expectations here that although we're going to hit all the foundational concepts, go into technicalities of what those concepts mean, I think what we are really aiming for in the series is to also have like the application piece down and we want to help everybody um, build an intuition for these concepts around statistics so that if there's anybody out there who feels statistics is difficult or boring or doesn't come easily we want to and we hope that after this series, you won't feel that way anymore about statistics. So with that, let's get into what this session will cover. We're just gonna introduce what is statistics. I'm sure most of you know that already, but just that's gonna be our starting point. We're gonna talk a little bit about why it is important to have an understanding and intuition about statistics uh, with respect to machine learning. And then we're gonna go into conceptual understanding around the two key areas of statistics, which is descriptive and inferential statistics. And we're gonna kind of close it out with um, emphasizing a little bit about population and sampling, because that definitely holds like uh, a good amount of relevance for machine learning. With that, mm -hmm. let's get right into it. All right. so. Statistics essentially is uh, a part of mathematics, which provides us some tools and methods to really handle, work with, and understand the data. There are two broad applications of statistics. One is to describe the data, which uh, leads to the descriptive statistics part. And the other is to infer from data, which is what forms the inferential statistics part. And two of our other speakers today are going to take you through like more details around these and they will highlight some um, intuition and concepts around descriptive and inferential statistics. Okay, so statistics and machine learning are 
in my opinion, quite closely coupled. Uh, we hear today a lot of talk around new machine learning algorithms, advanced techniques and whatnot. And there are so many packages and so many tools of really implementing those. And <clears throat> a lot of people, I think, do it without an understanding of what's happening under the hood. Uh, more critically, outside the fancy space of just implementing or building and deploying machine learning models or algorithms, I think it's really important to understand why you're choosing that model, what, how it's handling your data, and how you're interpreting the results of it. Because when you start applying these techniques within a real world space, I think it becomes more and more relevant to have that understanding so that you're able to make those decisions in an informed way and you can reduce the um, errors or you know some misses that you may have with respect to what you could have prevented in terms of implementing a wrong model or maybe you didn't handle or account for certain outliers or or things like that moving on i'm just going to talk a little bit about why machine learning needs statistics or why it's a good idea for all of us here to understand it a little bit better. I think how I like to think about it is through five key areas of machine learning that utilize the understanding of statistics. And, and with that, like you don't have to be uh, an expert. You don't have to go into complex mathematical formulae or start deriving things or get like into the weeds of it and that's literally what our goal is here through the webinar series like i mentioned but just to have an understanding around why you need to have a feel or intuition for statistics as you go through these different um, areas of machine learning so we all begin with just looking at data uh, exploratory data analysis obviously forms like the first step in coming up with a with the right business problem, the right business question that you're going to um, handle with the help of machine learning. And data preparation really benefits from statistical methods, uh, which is where you begin to understand what the different distribution of your variables are. And do you have missing values? Do you have any outliers and how you should handle those if if you should um it also kind of leads into the next step where after you've looked at distributions after you've kind of identified which features should go into your model which should not which again uh is involves statistics by means of identifying relationship between variables the next piece of uh around model evaluation is really where you're I think between these two steps, uh, there is a portion where you look at your data and you split it into test and train and how you're going to sample them. So sampling, again, is another statistical concept that helps us do this in a uh, accurate, scientifically accurate way. And then coming to model evaluation, understanding what are the different algorithms available to you, running those, understanding the parameters that come out of it in your output are all related to understanding of some statistical concepts. Third piece is model selection. When you look at the 
uh, different model uh, output parameters that come out and you're making inferences or interpreting the results and understanding which model is doing better, which model is explaining the variability in my data better. I think all of those concepts, again, are deeply rooted in statistics. And we'll talk about some of those, uh, I think, in the later stages where we, we talk about p-values, we talk about hypothesis testing and things like that, which hopefully will help you in understand those uh, model outputs a little bit better. The next piece is model presentation. So you've built the school model, you've selected the best one, and what are you now like you have to go and convince somebody that, okay, this is the one that I think but that works best to answer this business case. And here's why I want to use it. So you need to make another person uh, who is maybe not even aware of the machine learning techniques as well. And you got to condense it, summarize it, and share it in a way that's uh, intuitive and understandable, which is where statistics again comes to the rescue um, in terms of sharing that information in a more descriptive way. Lastly, we come to prediction. And when, you, when you're running predictions with machine learning, you need to understand how to interpret the expected variability in your predictions and kind of understand what all that means when you're running those prediction algorithms. Okay, I want to talk a little bit more about the different types of data that we have, and then Anjali will take us through um, the descriptive statistics portion of this talk. So as you, as most of you might, might be aware, or you must have heard, we have different types of uh, data or different data types. We have numerical data, categorical. I think those are two broad categories which are quite popular and uh, you come across them often enough. Um, what we want to highlight here are the four levels of measurement, which kind of tie to those data types. Uh, nominal, ordinal, interval, and ratio are the four ones that we are categorizing here. And you'll see in the next piece, for example, how uh, or what these mean. Nominal and ordinal are almost got everything to do with categorical variables. And I'll just point out the difference between the two. Um, nominal, like this example says, it, eye color, for example, could be uh, four different types, right? It could be black, blue, brown, something else. Um, so those don't have any relevance of order in them, but they're just labels or buckets. So those are the categorical variables that have just those buckets built into them without any relevance of order. The next one, which is ordinal, as the name suggests, is indicative of having the relevance of order built into it. For example, you have customer surveys, or here it talks about level of satisfaction, where you're um, saying maybe one, two, three, four, or something like that. And although those are labels and buckets, they also have the relevance of order built into them. Like one could mean more and four could mean less or the other way around. So with that, I'll pass it over to Anjali, uh, who's gonna talk through descriptive statistics in detail. Thank you, Sneha. So we're talking about descriptive statistics here. So first, as Neha discussed, the definition of statistics, which is literally just the 
process of collecting data, organizing data, and then summarizing it and presenting it to the audience so that they can understand what data is. So statistics is essentially divided into very two basic parts, which is descriptive and inferential. So if we talk about the descriptive statistics, which is what I'm going to talk about, uh, which is what I'm going to take you through. So it's uh, just the, uh, when we're collecting data and then we're organizing it and summarizing data using numbers and graphs. So when you have a data set, it's a very raw data set. You have just numbers and you don't understand what those numbers mean. You don't really know what the, what this indicates. If, if I just put a, a raw data set in front of you, it doesn't really indicate anything. But if I just practice descriptive statistics, then you'd understand that that data actually indicates something. So descriptive statistics is the practice of organizing and summarizing data using numbers and graphs. So we use graphs to summarize the data and we use different modes of central tendency. We use measures of variability and other methods which we use to des uh, describe data in a way which is easier for the audience to understand. What's the second part of statistics doing? That's inferential statistics. That's basically analyzing the data for us. When I've given you the data information, when I've given you what the data indicates, then there is inferential statistics which comes into picture, which helps us analyze the data and draw necessary conclusions from it that, yeah, this data represents this. Okay, so let's just, I'll just take you through some examples which will help you understand better. These are the examples of graph, which helps us uh, show that yeah this data has this percentage of this thing represented and other percentage of some other thing represented so data helps us understand the data graphs understand graphs helps us understand the data better in a visual man manner now there's the example suppose you have in a city a population of hundred and thousand people and we can't just calculate the whole uh, you know, the data, if you are calculating the uh, inferential and differential statistics uh, modes, we are calculating different uh, mean, medians, and modes for different uh, sample data, then um, I just want to clarify two technical terms which we're going to be, which I'm going to be using more. So one is sample data, which represents the part of the population which you have surveyed and you're analyzing. So you can't just go around and talk to 100,000 people in a city and ask them what their preferences are about a subject. You take a sample of people and you ask them what they like, and then you draw conclusions about the whole population using the sample population that you have surveyed, right? So sample data is the amount of the part of population which you are serving. And data points is the individual data which you have in a raw data set. So data points and sample data is something I'm gonna be using uh, throughout the slides. Uh, so I just wanted to clear this up. So we have a population of 100,000 people and I'm going out and I'm serving 100 people out of those 100,000 people because I wanna know what is the total number of people who have jobs in the tech sector, right? So we have a sample size of 100. The number of people we are interviewing, the we are serving is 100. So we have a sample size of 100. And let us suppose that 34 out of 100 have jobs in tech. Now we are not going out to um, survey a group of people which belong 
to you know a particular job sector because then we'll have a very skewed um, kind of estimate for what uh, we're trying to measure we are just uh, surveying random people so one key while surveying people is we, we survey random people. We don't survey a group of people. We survey very random people. So we are surveying random people and we found out that 34 people out of 100 have jobs in tech, which leads us to the conclusion that the average of people who have jobs in tech is 0.34. So 0.34 is the average, which is the measure of descriptive statistics. But then what is inferential statistics? I am drawing the conclusion about the whole 100,000 people in the city using this average which is 0.34 and i'm saying that 34 percent of the people have job in tech sector in the city in the whole uh, out of whole hundred thousand people there are 34,000 people 34 percent of people who have jobs in the tech sector so i'm drawing the inference the conclusion about the whole city by using just 100 people the 100 people i've measured now this thing i've uh, highlighted is increasing the sample size gives more accurate results obviously if you're in, uh, serving more people, then obviously you have more accuracy. Suppose you suppose you have uh, estimated 100 people, out of which 58 work in tech and 42 do not. So you have 0.58 as the average. But if you are going out and serving 1,000 people, then you get something like 587 people who are working in tech and 413 people who are not. So 587 uh, divided by 1,000 would give you 58.7, which is a more accurate result. So increasing the sample size, which will give you more accurate results. Now, there's a second example, of course, you all vote, right? Before the voting results are announced, you see on news channels, media channels, they're having their exit polls and stuff. What does that actually represent? So how do they do it? How, why one media channel claims that they have better and more precise uh, results and, uh, than the other media channels? Because they have gone around and surveyed more number of people so they have more accuracy in their results and that's how they measure the uh, suppose in a country there's a voting suppose in that same city there's a voting hundred thousand people and um, i go out and survey 100 people and another one of my friends she goes out and surveys 1000 people right so i have a less accuracy and she has a more accuracy in her uh, results why because she's uh, uh, interviewing more people and she's serving more large uh, amount of people so she has a more uh, she has a large sample data which gives her more precise results that's how they claim that we have more precise results because they have surveyed a large number of people and that's how they get the uh, you know predict the results before the actual voting results are announced so this is another example of how we derive, describe data through a raw data set and how we uh, actually conclude the um, basic results which we can conclude through the data sets now we have central tendency which is a mode of uh, descriptive statistics what is central tendency i have a very basic definition here so central tendency is a descriptive summary of a data set through a single value that represents the center of the data distribution what does it mean? I have a data distribution, right? So the middlemost number, the centermost number, it's very self-explanatory from central tendency itself that what it represents. It represents the centermost data point of the data distribution, right? We have uh, 
of data distribution, if we have the centermost number, then we know that uh, this is the number which will define the whole data set. We need a number which defines the whole data distribution. If I'm talking about this data set and if I'm saying that, yeah, this is the mode of central tendency, this number, then I know that this number is representing that data. Now, there are two questions which are going to get the answers to. And these are the most important questions when we're talking about data, which is what single number best represents our data? Now, you all know that we have three modes of central tendency, right? We have mean, we have median, and we have mode. I've written it right, right here. So we have three modes of central tendency. So what mode of central tendency best represents the data? Because mean would give you another data point. Median would give you a different data point and mode will give you a different data point. What number do you think best represents that data? That depends on the data itself, right? We'll just discuss it in the coming slides. And the second point is other scores or the data points. Now you have a data, you have different data points in a data. So what do you think? What are the scores, the data points packed together or spread out? How packed together is, what is the difference between the data points is what we're gonna talk about in variability. So before I go ahead and discuss the mean median mode, I wanna discuss about the central tendency examples. Suppose, um, okay, out of 100 marks, suppose you've gotten 94 in a test in class, right? Now you don't know that if that score is a good score, a bad score, you don't know that because you don't know the average. You don't know the classes, uh, whole average, how much other students have scored because how you have scored is always relative, right? If someone has scored better than you, then your score is not the best, right? So if I tell you that, okay, I've calculated, I've, I've seen the, uh, you know, the whole classes marks distribution, and I know I have calculated the average of that distribution, and I know that the average is 80, right? And you have scored 94. So you have scored more than what half of the class has scored, right? Half of the class has the score 80 because we're literally going to the center. We're calculating the central tendency. That means we're going to the center of the data. And you have scored more than half of the people. That means you have scored, uh, you have a good score, right? So that's one example which helps you clarify more about central tendency. So um, mean, median, and mode. We know that um, mean is, suppose we have a data set. We have 10 um, data points in our data set. And we have the scores. We have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and 100. How do we calculate the mean? We add all those things and we divide it by the number of data points. We, we take the average. So mean is just the sum divided by the total data points. How do we calculate the median? For median, you have to arrange your data in an increasing or a decreasing order. And if your data has a data points, has even number of data points, then you take the middlemost number and the one which, is, which comes after the middlemost number. And you have to add both of them and divide it by two. And mode is the, uh, and if the, in the median also, uh, the, if the data points are odd number of data points, then you just divide the data points, number of data points by two. And then you go to the number, which n by two with number, and that would be a median in the increased or decreased series. Mode is the most number of times a number has occurred in a data set. Suppose a number is occurring the very frequently, suppose if I have a data set one, two, 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 three. So two is occurring three times. That means two is the mode. So um, I hope this is clear. There's an example here. 
so uh, this will help you clear out which mode of distribution you should use with what data set because now i've uh, told you about three data sets right mean median and mode now you have got a data set and you don't know which one to calculate which one to use how how do you know which one to use uh, is median the best representing my data is mode the best representing my data or is mean best representing my data I have no clue. So mean is used as a mode only when the data is scaled and not highly skewed. That is, if, if the data is balanced, just like Sneha talked about the interval and ratio data, which is equally spaced. So mean is used as a mode when there are no outliers. We have a balanced graph so like this. We have a normal distribution where this peak is representing the mean and the graph is symmetrical on both the sides, which means there are no outliers present in this. Uh, data set, the data set which this graph is represented, right? The next graph is this one, negative skew and positive skew. If the graph is right aligned, then the graph is known as negatively skewed graph. When, uh, well, when the graph is right aligned, it is known as positively skewed graph, okay? So the mean is supposed to be on the peak, right? It's supposed to be on the peak, but it's right aligned. Why? Because we have got an outlier in a place. We have got an outlier which has skewed our mean. And in this case also, we have got an outlier which has skewed our mean to the right. So if we want a mean, if we want to calculate a mean with a data set, so we, uh, we need to have outliers on both the sides. If we have got an outlier which is greater than the rest of the data points, then we need to have an outlier which is less than the rest of the data points, right? Next is um, this normal distribution. Just like I talked about this curve, which is rightly skewed, and negative skewed and positive skewed. This is something which is known as kurtosis. So kurtosis is when the uh, uh, graph is uh, uh, having low outliers and um, uh, high number of outliers. This red graph has got a very tailed peak, which uh, represents a large number of outliers present in the data set. While this one, the brown, blue one it represents a very less number of outlier which is also not favorable the one which is favorable is the black one which has got the just the right amount of outliers next is the characteristics of median where median is used as a mode of central tendency only when the data is interval level but highly skewed the data has is equally spaced only but it's very highly skewed. That means it has a large number of outliers. It has a large number of data points in it, which does not belong there, right? It, it is a very skewed data distribution set. Now, when is mode represent, uh, when, is the, when mode is the best representation? Mode is used when a particular score dominates over the distribution. Suppose there's a class and I ask, uh, what flavor of ice cream do you like? And there are 60 people in a class and 20 of them, they just say that, yeah, we like the mint flavored the most. So I am getting a data set where uh, a particular score dominates over the distribution. I'm getting 20 for mint, two for chocolates, three for strawberries and so on, right? So the mint one is dominating. The mode is 20 because the score of mint ice cream flavored people is more than the other. So it's dominating. That's when we use mode as a representation for central tendency, when we know that a particular score is dominating over the distribution, right? 
this is the bi bimodal situation. So what happens is, suppose you have the same class where uh, 20 people are saying that they prefer the mint flavor and the rest of the 20 people are saying that they prefer the uh, chocolate flavored ice cream. So there are two peaks now in the graph. There are uh, two kinds of domination on the whole data distribution, which is, uh, so this is the bimodal curve where we have two particularly dominating data points, right? Next is variability. So variability indicates the data points, which how data points are spread out. We have a data, uh, we have a data set, right? And we have got data points in that data set. How those data points are spread out? How, how is the difference between them? Now, would you like the data set to be variable, highly variable or less variable? So um, I have a very general question, which is, why do we even evaluate data? Why do we even get data? Why do we even go out and conduct surveys? So that we can predict a trend from that particular data. We can predict that, yeah, if, if that's the data, that's how the trend is going, then in the future, this is how it's going to happen. This is how things are going to happen, right? But the data is not predictable in case of variable data. If, if it's a highly variable data, then it's very unsteady, it's very unstable, and it's unpredictable. If the data set is unpredictable, then it's of no use to people, uh, you know, data scientists, because it's highly variable. So greater the variability, it means less the consistency, and it's a very less accurate the measure of central tendency, right? So how do we measure the variability between standard deviation? Uh, how do we measure the variability in a data set? We do it through central um, standard deviation and variance. So that's what we're going to see next. But before that, there's an example. So we have this first data set. We have the second data set and this third data set, right? So uh, they all have mean six. All these three data sets have a mean six only. So this data set and this data set, can you predict the next number in, in this data set and this data set? I'm sure it's very easy because eight, seven, six, five, four, you know, the next is the uh, next data point is three only. And in this, I'm sure you have already predicted it's six, right? In this data set, however, can you predict? No, you can't because it's highly variable. It's a variable data and you cannot predict what's gonna happen next, right? Because we don't see any similarities. Any, uh, and the difference between the variables is very irregular and unsteady. So these are the example of where high consistency is preferable and high variability is not. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.